Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You are set apart for a purpose. God has redeemed you and saved you through the blood of Jesus. You've been set free from sin, death, and the power of the devil. And God has put you into a place that no one else is or can be. Because there is no one else like you in the history of the whole world. You are unique. And you're uniquely gifted. And today we're going to be talking about how God chooses specific people and how he chooses and invites you and me to do the things that he has prepared in advance for us to do. We're jumping into the story, our sermon series, and and we come to a section that's called Standing Tall and Falling Hard. And it's talking about really how King Saul is chosen. And and when uh, King Saul was chosen, he was a head above everyone else. He was taller than everyone else in the kingdom of Israel. And he was noticed and, and praised for how handsome and beautiful he was. And yet we'll come to the, to the end of our text today and we will see his huge failures. How he doesn't do what God tells him to do. And we're studying a section of scripture called 1 Samuel. We'll be going through the first 15 chapters of, of that book today. And the book is named for the prophet Samuel, who in the Old Testament was set apart. Even from childhood, Samuel was chosen because his mom couldn't have children. And so over and over again, his mom would pray to the Lord, Lord, give me a child, give me, uh, give me a boy so that I can have a family. And if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And so she's blessed. She, she ends up conceiving a child. She, she ends up having a child and then she gives her child, to the service of the Lord. Now, the whole, the whole reason we're going through this sermon series, the story, is so that you can read the Bible. And we're not going to cover everything in the first 15 chapters of 1 Samuel today. So in your reading, if you've got questions, we want you to be able to ask those questions about what's in God's Word. We started this last week where, where you can ask your question, you can write it down on a connection card and submit it to the offering, or you can text this number, 248-274-4676. It's a, it's a number we set up specifically to receive text messages for our conversation, and then we'll answer all of those questions on Facebook Live Sundays at 2 p.m. Last week, we had about seven questions, and we talked for about 15 minutes in some of those those questions and answers. And if you didn't see the video, you can still watch it today, the questions that people had about Ruth. We save and archive every video. Because sometimes we have questions about what's in the text or what's in the message, and and, and you don't want to yell out and interrupt, but you're invited to ask those regardless. And God, through Samuel, God tells us in the text, 
And he says to Samuel in chapter 3, verse 11, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. You see, Samuel had been chosen. He had been set apart for a specific purpose. But so had other people. And one man in particular, Eli, had been set apart as a priest of God. And Eli was doing what the Lord had told him to do. And Eli was following the commands and and the words of the Lord. But Eli had a problem. His sons were worthless. Worthless, the text tells us. They didn't do what God commanded. They didn't follow the word of the Lord. The text tells us they were worthless. And and God says, Samuel, I'm going to do something that causes the ears of everyone who hears it to tingle. And God takes away from Eli the priesthood in his family, and he gives it to Samuel so that the priest and the prophet of the Lord moving forward would be Samuel. And so the the Israelites hear and they act, and and there are wars and battles in 1 Samuel. And, And there's something that's going on as As the Israelites fight with other nations, they notice something that's different about their nation and their armies and their battles when they go and fight other people. And they say, Samuel, Samuel, we're we're different than everybody else. But we don't want to be different from everyone else. We want to be like everyone else. We've noticed that these other countries, they have a king to lead them. And we have no king. And so they they tell Samuel in in chapter 8, appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. We want to be like everyone else. We want to do things like they do things. We want to live like they live. We want a king to be over. And the Lord said to Samuel in verse 7, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. You see, God sees that this worldly desire rejects him. And this isn't just the Israelites' problem. This is our problem today. We want to be like the people around us. We want to be like what we see in the world. And, and, and maybe, it's, maybe it's easier to see if you're a parent. And, and, and the, the, the child of yours comes and they say, Mom, why can't I have those really nice jeans with the holes in them like all the other kids? Mom, how come the shoes on my feet have four stripes and everyone else's has three stripes like Adidas? 
Mom, why can't I be like them? Watch the things they watch. Go the places they go. Play on the teams they play on. Mom, why are we different? Why aren't we like everyone else? And then we try to make ourselves like everyone else in what we say and in what we do in how we act and how we live. And so we start doing things that the world expects us to do. We join one more league. We join one more activity and we have to hire a driver to ferry the third kid to the place where they need to be in time for them to get there. And we're tired and we're worn out. And, and, and one more thing might break us. One more thing might destroy us. And so we, we get back home and we turn on Netflix. And we say, oh, there's a new episode. There's a new season. Oh, now I, can, now I can finally know what they're talking about at school or at work. Now I can finally be a part of the conversation. And God sees that the worldly desires of my heart and yours reject him. We've got that daily reading plan where you can just open up the app on the phone. It'll, it'll give you the full list of days. I, I, have a, I have a problem where I will fall behind in my reading and then I'll get really convicted and I'll catch back up again. And so I, I'm here to tell you, I caught back up in my reading app. I have read the Bible as often as, as the, the app tells me to read the Bible. And then I opened the app this morning and let me tell you what, what the app told me. It said you're 11 days behind. I just caught up. I, I know I was reading everything I was supposed to be reading. And then what happened? Oh, I, I clicked play on the next episode instead of reading the next chapter. And I'm, I'm just like the people who have too much going on in their lives. I'm the same broken person like the Israelites who say we want to be like everyone else in the world. And so God gives the Israelites a king. He warns them about what it's going to be like, but he ultimately gives them to the desires of their heart. And this happens with us sometimes too. That God allows us to walk down the path that he would not choose for us to do the things that he warns us against doing. And he, he says, well, there you go. It's not going to work, but, but there you go. And this happens with King Saul. The, the text comes to us in, in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. The word of the Lord came to Samuel and he says, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. God had given him a mission and Saul didn't listen. God had given Saul a mission and Saul didn't listen. And the Lord, the Lord says, 
through Samuel to Saul, he says, the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they're consumed. And Saul, get this, Saul says, I did. Saul says, I've, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on the mission the Lord sent me. You see, I even brought Agag, the king of Amalek, back. And I devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But it was those people that God gave me. It was those people that took the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the best things devoted to destruction. Those people took those things so we might sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel responds, he says, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen better than the fat of rams. And so because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And it it closes the section with this. The Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And I struggle with this. And, And this question came to mind as I was studying this. How can God have regrets? God knows all things. God is never surprised by anything. He knows the future. He knows how it's going to be. So if you know all things, if you know how things are going to play out and the outcome of those things, and you're you're not surprised, how can you have regret about this thing that you knew which was coming? And I I thought about it a little bit. And, And there are a lot of times my kids think they're smarter than me. They're not yet. And and there are times where I can see the future too. There are times I can see the future because I've lived in the past. And I did the things they're thinking of doing. And so I know the outcome before (laughs) it even happens. And I, I regret. I regret not having warned them. I regret not having shared my experience with them and and told them the same things that my mom told me that sometimes didn't help. Right? God has chosen you for a purpose, Matthew. And individually, God has chosen each one of you for a purpose. To do what he has invited you to do. How can God have regrets? Well, we've got to go back to to chapter 1 of our book, to to Genesis chapter 6, when we see the flood that covers the earth. He tells us the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and the Lord regretted that he had made man on this earth and it grieved him 
to his heart. What does God command of you and me? And what does he do? We see in the Bible, God commands perfection. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He tells us in other places, we, we, we have to be above reproach. We have to be more righteous than even the best of the, the scribes and the teachers and the Pharisees. He commands the very most from us. But what does he do? What does he do when we fail, when we fall, when we cannot meet this impossible standard? He steps in. He comes down from heaven in Jesus. He lives for you. He dies for you. He rises from the grave for you. So that nothing not even your own actions would separate you from his love. So that in everything and in all things, you might know the love God has for you. And then he invites you. He invites you to see that you've been set apart for a purpose. That you've been chosen to go. And he tells us this as as the very last thing that he speaks before he ascends into heaven. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And he gives these words, not just to the pastors and the elders, but he gives them to all people. A few weeks ago, a blog post was shared with us that was written by Greg Morse on Desiring God, and we posted it on our Facebook page, and, and in the blog it said this. It said, my pastor did not grow up with my people, live next door to them, text them frequently, watch football games with them, and sit with them in their homes. But I did. And as much as us, as much as some of us may throw stones at seeker-driven churches, the question comes uncomfortably full circle. Do I shrink back from saying the hard truth in order to win souls? Is my delicacy cruelty? My flatteries poison. Am I an accomplice in the murder of souls? When Jesus saves us through his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave, he saves us for a purpose. Each one of us are individually sent to our schools, to our jobs, to our homes to share the love he has for us. And, and, and not to be silent, but to speak. Ephesians 4 tells us, speak the truth in love. And we grow into the body of Christ when we do that. Speak the truth in love and we're joined together every joint and we're equipped and it works properly. 
so that we would grow and build ourselves up in love. When Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper, he said this before he fed us with the forgiveness of sins. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We stand tall, each one of us, like Saul. Like the Israelites, we try to conform to the ways of the world, but but God saves us from that. He rescues us from our sin. He says, don't be conformed any longer to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might know what is good. And the good news for you and me is that Jesus has come, he has rescued us, and he has appointed us and equipped us to share that love and that grace with our family, with our friends, and with everyone we meet. Pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you abundant thanks for the word you've given us, that you have saved us, that you have rescued us from our sin, from from our struggle, that you have set us apart for a purpose, that you have chosen us to go, to join you in the mission of sharing your love and grace with others. Make us bold. Keep us loving so that others might know your love for them. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.